Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. All right, Film Geeks, today's class is all about the creator, one of the most, if not the most, anticipated sci-fi movies of the year. Well, I guess so, since Dune has been pushed to next year. So let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe wherever it is you're listening from. And we're talking about the creator today. Now, my normal like intro thingy that I do where I talk about random things before I get into the topic at hand, I already did that in my review for Dumb Money. You can go listen to that. We're just going to get straight to it. So I had a double feature day yesterday. I went to see Dumb Money at three and then The Creator at seven. And then I'm actually going back to the movies tonight at seven. You know, long day, I guess. I don't know. Pretty much back to normal because that's pretty much normal for me going to the movies three times in a week. That That's relatively normal. So The Creator. Um, I have a lot of thoughts. I'm going to get right into it. I'm not going to keep you super long. So this movie is a little interesting. And then I think if I had to guess, this is probably one of the first, this is probably the first original sci-fi film in a very long time. And by original, I mean, this is not a reboot. It's not a remake. It's not an adaptation. It's an original screenplay. This is an original story in a sense. Because everything is based off or inspired by something. There is nothing new under the sun. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Because I don't know if this was intentional. I imagine it was intentional. There were too many similarities. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So this movie, The Creator, it's directed by Gareth Edwards. He directed Godzilla in 2014. It stars John David Washington, who is the star, not star, but the son of Denzel Washington, Madeline Yuna Voyas, who makes her introduction to the film world as um, the character Alfie. So if you've seen the um, previews, the child in this movie, that's her. Jimma Chan, Ken Watanabe, who returns working with Gareth Edwards. He was in Godzilla. Sturgill Simpson, um, Allison Janey. So this movie right here, this is about ex-Special Forces agent Joshua who has been sent on this assignment to destroy a weapon that has been created by this engineer, this inventor of AI technology, um, 
named Nimrata. And he has to go destroy this weapon that's designed to wipe out all of humanity. Now, this is science fiction. It's very futuristic, set in a world where AI is more than what it is now. It's more than just, you know, writing little funny stories or coming up with cute little pictures. They've used AI to create very robots. Kind of reminds me of iRobot with Will Smith. And these are robots that were actually created at one point to work as helpers, um, you know, maids, whatnot. And then they um, evolved into, not evolved, but the technology itself evolved into, into them creating simulants, which are people who are who donate their likeness so that these AI technology people can create robots with human faces. So that's a simulant, or you'll hear them say sim in the movie. That's the technology that of that time. Well, apparently AI did a really big bad thing and dropped a huge bomb of some kind, an explosion onto Los Angeles, incinerating and destroying millions of people. So now AI is big bad and America has wiped out AI and they're trying to wipe it out from the rest of the world. Well, New Asia seems to still be very friendly with AI, which is where Joshua is being sent to to destroy this weapon that's supposed to wipe out all of humanity. and. Joshua is dealing with his own demons because five years prior, he was on an assignment in New Asia. He was with his wife, Maya. She was pregnant with their child where, you know, he was raided on. It's, you know, pulled out of an assignment early. She ran away, scared onto a boat. He's like, where are you going? And then she blew up Uh, a bomb dropped from this thing that floats in the sky called Nomad. Looks like a spaceship, but it just kind of hovers in the atmosphere where planes are, where we can see them, right? And dropped the bomb and she died and he was devastated. And now he's back in Los Angeles, basically doing cleanup before he's pulled in to do this crazy mission. And he goes into the place where they think this um, magical weapon is, which is hiding under a village with just, you know, lowly farmers. And again, this is part of New Asia that's very friendly with AI. They don't have issues with AI. They get along with AI. They, they live harmoniously, cohesively. But America's like, nope, we got to wipe it off because they want to destroy us. So... Americans are pretty much the villain in this movie. Now, I'm not opposed to movies that where Americans are the enemy. Not opposed to that at all. You see that from time to time. And it's usually done, you know, I think I want to say correct or right. Because as much as I love being an American, there are definitely aspects of our culture when we, we flip the coin, bad things can happen. Now, get me wrong. I love being an American. I, I love my country. I am the daughter of a veteran. My mother served. My father served. He would probably still be serving, would have retired had he not died in a car accident. My stepfather served. My grandfather served. I love my country. But I also understand that, and as much as I love American culture, I love our American way of life. I love our personality personalities as Americans, something that we collectively share as Americans, this rebellious spirit. There are definitely aspects of our culture and our personality that if you flip that coin, It could be a negative thing. It's like, you know, passion. The other side of passion is pride, in a sense. You know, no, I got that backwards. The other side of passion is anger. So one side of the coin is passion. The other side is anger. You know, you take something beautiful and wonderful about America. You flip that coin, there's something negative on the other side of that. And I've seen in movies where that negative part is used as the villain. And I love how that's done sometimes because it gives us a moment as Americans to learn about ourselves. This was anti-American in a different way, in in a a completely different way. It just seemed like it was blatantly anti-American, just very blatantly. 
I, I don't know if I liked that or loved it. It's just something I just picked up on. So take with that what you will. So Joshua goes into the place to find the weapon, but the weapon turns out to be a child, a child simulant, something that's never been done before. When they make simulants, they're always adults. No one has ever made a child before, but this child seems innocent, unknowing, unaware of who it is, what it is. But this child is called Alpha O. They were looking for a weapon called Alpha O, and it turns out that this is the weapon and the initials, the Greek initials, Alpha Omega are on the child's head. So, you know, he's like, okay, what do I do with this? Am I supposed to kill it? Am I supposed to destroy it? This is a child, even though it's not, you know, a real person. This is a simulant. This is a robot. This is AI. But he's also been promised something. It turns out that his wife might be alive, that there's footage of her recently alive. And hey, if you help us, we can get your wife out of the country. We can get her to safety. So which means if her wife's alive, there's a possibility that their unborn child is alive. So he sees the, you know, little Sim is what he calls the child at first until he decides, nope, your name's Alfie. We're going to call you Alfie because you got to look human to the rest of the humans. He enlists the help of this child to help him find his estranged wife, his missing wife. And so he goes rogue. And that's when the story to me kind of takes an interesting turn. There's something about this story. Yes, it's sci-fi. Yes, it's extraterrestrial. Yes, it's kind of out there. And because it's sci-fi, right? A lot of it's unbelievable. It's science fiction. It's just enough. There's just enough imagination for me to buy into it. That's sci-fi. That's how I kind of go into it. But there's something about the way the plot is structured. It's just not realistic. There's something unbelievable. It's almost like they're just tendons and flesh missing to these bones. The The structure by itself is good. It's got good bones. It's just there's no connective tissue. That's the best way I can describe this plot. Good bones, no muscle, no connective tissue, no flesh. You know, a body without flesh is just a skeleton. It's just the framework. But the thing that makes it human, that makes it beautiful, that makes it stand out, it's the flesh, it's the muscle, it's the bone, it's the skin. That's what's missing from this plot for me. But before I even get to that part, visually, this movie is stunning. This movie is absolutely stunning. It is visually striking, visually gorgeous. The special effects in this are out of this world, um, which is so refreshing to see when you have so many movies as of late with crappy crappy special effects, rushed green screen, rushed CGI. I think of the flash, which had like really crappy CGI. I actually liked the flash oddly enough. I mean, it wasn't my favorite, but I enjoyed it enough, but the CGI was just crap. It was rushed. And you're seeing this a lot with DC comics and MCU movies, but this, it looks like they really did take their time to get down to the nitty gritty and the beautiful details. So good CGI, good green screen, um, some motion capture technology, just basic sci-fi stuff, but it was done so well. And it was like they took their time. They didn't rush it. It was beautifully done. The movie is stunning. It's gorgeous. Everything about the movie is beautifully beautiful and gorgeous. It's the plot that's lacking. It's the plot that's missing. It's it's trying to say a lot, but again, a good framework, 
Good bones, no muscle, no flesh. That's part of the problem here. My biggest issue with movies, and I talk about this from time to time, is just the lack of character development. I don't feel like we are given enough time to really get to know Joshua or Alfie. And this movie is supposed to have this sentimental and vulnerable soft spot that we're really we're, we're never given really time to rest in. Because we don't really know Joshua and we don't really know Alfie, we really don't get to feel for their friendship and their relationship that's kind of building throughout this movie because they're not properly developed. It's very flimsy in the the heart development of a film. Does that make sense? So yeah, visually stunning film is just lacking in terms of plot and in terms of just character development, which is crazy though, because the the story definitely has plot. There are highs and lows. There's definitely a clear story here, a beginning, middle, and end, and a goal, but the connective tissue is just weak. Very, very weak. There are moments where we're jumping from one thing and going to the next, and there's nothing that really bridges or connects the two. There's no tension that really drives, pushes, and pulls that takes us from one scene to the next. It's It's missing connective tissue. I don't know how else to explain it, besides that but the movie's gorgeous the movie's stunning Hans Zimmer did the score music's great John David Washington as an actor I have been not so um happy with him the last couple of times I've seen him so I saw him in Amsterdam last year and a couple years before that I saw him in Tenet that was him in Tenet right yep that was him in Tenet and I haven't been all that impressed with him as an actor he's not a bad actor don't get me wrong He's not a bad actor. I don't think there's anything wrong with his acting skills. He just hasn't done it for me. I just felt he's been a little wooden and stiff. Maybe it's just the company. Maybe it's just his co-stars. Because last year in Amsterdam, he was with Margot Robbie and Christian Bale, which just outshone him. Is that a word? They outshined him to the nth degree. I mean, he just didn't step up to their level, I thought. And then in Tenet, he was with Robert Pattinson who gives theater vibes. You know, he's very theatrical in his performance. So he he was surrounded by actors who were just way above his level. If you heard bells, I heard bells. I believe that's my roommate's cat outside my door begging for me to come outside. Or she snuck into my roommate's room. So if you heard bells, that's what that was. You're not crazy. You're not losing your mind. There is a cat somewhere in uh, the next two rooms. So... Yeah, I just felt like he didn't really rise to the level of his co-stars, if that makes sense. he You could tell he was um, behind. You could tell he he wasn't quite there. But with this, he's the lead. He He's it. He He's carrying the film. And I think because he doesn't have anyone next to him that he can be compared to or he has to bounce, you know, bounce off of or support or be opposite. You know, it's just him. He's the lead. And the only other person there is a child who's brand spanking new to the industry, to film in general, clearly, because it says at the, you know, those beginning early credits at the end, introducing her name. He shines. He does very, very well in this. He, he, I mean, there's no one else to take away that spotlight or to dim him in any, in any sense. He is the standout in this because he is it. He is the only lead. He doesn't have any co-leads or supporting, um, supporting cast members who can boost him or bring him down. It's just him. So even if he sucks, he's still the best thing in the movie. Does that make sense? But he didn't suck. I thought he did very, very well. I was very impressed with him in this. 
Um, and he also sounds just like his dad. Whenever he's talking and he's not on camera, it's very jarring because that man sounds just like his daddy. Just like Denzel. Like, just. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, that's his son. No, you don't understand. Just like him. Now, when the um, when the camera's on his face, it's it's easy to distinguish between the two. But when you can't see him, all I hear is Denzel. All I hear is his father. And that has to be very kind of, that has to be rough. That has to be rough when you're trying to come up and do your own thing and make your own name. And yet everything about you from the way you look, from the way you walk, from the way you talk, you sound like a giant. Like you, you're already big. You don't even get a chance to grow. It's unfair. But hey, he, he's, he's got good legs and I think there's promise here. I think there's a lot of promise with him. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, like I normally do, I post a little review on TikTok right after I see the movie. And I've had a couple of people say, one or two, say that they weren't all that interested in seeing the movie because of the biblical references in the film. Now, yes, there are definite biblical references, and we're going to talk about all of those, some more obvious than most. We're just going to talk about the obvious ones. I would have to watch this a second time just to catch everything else. But if you are one of those who said in some way, shape, or form, I don't want to see this because of the biblical references, suck it up and get over it, okay? Hear what I say. I'm going to say it again in case you didn't hear me. Suck it up and get over it. I don't know if you are just not 
of reading books or watching movies at all. But nine out of 10, most of the movies and books that you read and watch are inspired by in some way, shape or form, either the Bible or Shakespeare. Those are your top inspirations for stories in modern literature and modern film. The Lion King, for instance, is um, one of the inspirations or two of the inspirations for The Lion King, Joseph and Moses. You think I'm kidding? Look it up. Joseph and Moses are two inspirations for The Lion King. That's where part of the story comes from. Did you know that? How, how look at me. I taught you something new. I love things like that. But anyway, so biblical references in film are not are not out of the ordinary because why, whether you're Christian or not, these stories within the Bible have great bones. Remember, I just talked about that, how, you know, this movie has great bones, it's poor muscles. The, the stories in the Bible have great bones, great foundation, great it's somewhere where you can build a story. The problem with this is, is that this movie doesn't, so much take from a biblical story, just takes aspects of different biblical stories and decides to just throw these little references in there for what purpose, I don't know. And it's hard for me to track what this movie was doing and for what reason, because again, great bones, poor muscle quality, poor muscle tone, I should say. So you have Joshua. We have Joshua from the book of Joshua. The significance of Joshua was that he was a protege, an apprentice, so to speak, you know, um, an assistant to Moses. Moses was the one that freed the Hebrew slaves from the Egyptians, took them through the Red Sea. They wandered in the desert in the wilderness for like 40 years or whatnot. And I should know this stuff. And he was trying to get them to the promised land, but God told him, you're not going to take him to the promised land. You will die before you get there. You will lay, lay eyes on it. You can see it from a distance, but you're not going to get there. And so Joshua was the one that led the Israelites, the Hebrews, into the promised land. That's the significance of Joshua is that he was the one that led them into the promised land. And that's kind of, I guess, the significance of this movie, because you have this movie that's about AI technology that's supposedly supposed to destroy the world. But it turns out that that's not the case at all. And it's Joshua who will kind of deliver mankind from a war that they're on that's on the brink. So you have Alfie, who is Alpha and Omega. So Alpha and Omega being Jesus, the beginning and the end. And this child is seen as somewhat of a savior. And we get a little bit of that at the very beginning where we're getting definitions of what Nimrata means and the creator, that they are looking for a savior, so to speak. They're looking for someone who's going to deliver them. And, you know, we get that in Alpha and Omega. A little child will lead them, so to speak. I believe that's what the book of Isaiah, if I'm not mistaken, without looking it up. So you have that, the creator, and then you have, you know, Alfie, Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And the significance of Alfie is that Alfie wasn't just created as a simulant, but Alfie was started as a simulant embryo that was modeled after Maya, who is, um, who we find out to be Nimrod, a sorry, spoiler alert, and Joshua's unborn child. So that's a sweet little interesting tidbit that they learn, that Joshua ends up learning, and that the person that he's been helping, this child simulant, in a sense, is his child. It's beautiful, right? And then we have Nimrata. And Nimrata um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Nimrod. Nimrod is in the Bible. A lot of you probably thought, I thought that was just an insulting word. Not just. But Nimrod is specifically known for having a rebellious spirit being rebellious 
And that's kind of what our Nimrata is, rebellious, going against the grain. So you have some biblical references in here, and it's very interesting. So I'm, I'm not exact, but the thing with these biblical references, they're interesting. I just don't understand where the director is going with it. I don't mind it. I'm not bothered by it. I'm not offended by any way, any measure of the word. Like, I'm not bothered. I'm like, okay, what's your point, though? Like, where were you going with this? I would have loved to see all of that kind of tie together to kind of point us in the direction, not necessarily point us to Christ. So that that would be cool. But like, bring us home in a way, like bring the story home. Instead, we get these pieces of the Bible thrown into this narrative. And I'm trying to figure out, okay, for what purpose? Are you just using these biblical elements to help you shape and mold the story? Because that's not abnormal, especially when you're just writing out a story. But it seems that they really have no point other than just to stand out. So that bugged me a little bit. I think as someone who does love the word of, who is Christian, who does love the word of God, who loves the Bible, I would have loved to see them take those elements of scripture and mold them into something plot-wise. I, I would have lived, loved to see the, these things blossom within the plot a little bit more but that's just me. So for those of you who might be bothered by the biblical references, like I said, get over it. Okay. There are plenty of movies and books that you have read and watched that in some way, shape or form reference elements or characters within the Bible and use them as a way to kind of build a foundation for their own story. That's normal. That's very, very normal. Says in Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. And that's no different here. All right, parental units, this is the part of the podcast where I answer your most burning question. Is this movie appropriate for my child? Now, as I always say, you know your kid, you know your family, you know what's appropriate for your child, what your child can and cannot handle, and also what your values are and what you hold most dear. So, as I mentioned, this movie does have biblical references. I don't think that's something that you should be aggravated about, again, because most of the movies and literature that you consume reference in some way, shape, or form to the Bible or Shakespeare. Those are your top two, like, inspirations, adaptations, Bible, Shakespeare. So it's nothing new. It's just very overt and very obvious. It's not like The Lion King, where they just took kind of a story, two stories in the Bible, kind of meshed them together and built something out of that. They're really taking elements from the Bible and just sticking them in there for us to just blatantly see. That's the only thing. But it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't do anything. I wouldn't consider it to be blasphemous. It's just there for you to see. Um, In terms of... Anything inappropriate? I don't think so. Last I checked, this movie is rated PG-13. This is heavy sci-fi. We are dealing with death, heavy death, destruction. There are some bloody things within this movie, gunfire, gunfighting, um, people blowing up. There's a, quite a bit of carnage in this movie. So that's something to definitely keep in mind. But I think Overall, this movie will probably be most appropriate for someone 14 years of age or older. So yeah, definitely PG-13. So strong language, some bloody images and violence. That's why it was given the PG-13 rating. So I think it might be okay for your middle schooler. I think your middle schooler probably, especially if you have a middle school boy, you know, the blood and guts of it all. It's not heavy. It's not heavy. It's not like horror movie slasher heavy, but it's definitely there. Um, They'll enjoy it because they're a boy and, you know, destroying things is kind of part of puberty for them. 
um, 14 years of age and older, I think they'll be fine. So elementary age kid, I mean, if your kid likes sci-fi and your kid can handle, you know, bloody violence like that, they'll be all right. I mean, again, you know your kid, you know your child. But what I would say is if you have an elementary school age kid, proceed with caution. If you have a middle schooler, middle school boys, I think would enjoy this more than middle school girls per se. This is definitely more of a male story. And your high schooler will be all right. They'll be all right. So yeah, a little bit of strong language. So some cursing, bloody violence, and then some might be bothered by the biblical imagery. But again, I don't think that's anything you need to be concerned about. But again, you know your family, you know what's best, and I hope that helps. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So that was the creator sci-fi film directed by Gareth Edwards. Just to sum it all up, the movie has great bones, just poor muscle tone. I think that's a good way to describe it. So what's coming up? If you follow me on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram, mainly TikTok and YouTube, you are going to get a little mini review for The Blind. I'm seeing that tonight. And then you'll get a full review for that on Monday, probably around noon. And then you'll get your regular $2 Tuesday. And then what movie's coming up next week? So uh, Exorcist Believers, our first horror movie of October. That movie was actually supposed to come out... October 13th, so Friday the 13th. However, the Taylor Swift movie is coming out Friday the 13th. It was a big surprise to everyone. The movie was announced um, August 31st, and tickets went on sale August 31st, and no one really knew. So a lot of studios had to scramble to reschedule their movies, move release dates around. Um, Killers of the Flower Moon got shifted. They got rid of their limited release and just went for a wide release on the 20th. Um, Exorcist Believers was scheduled for October 13th. They moved it up a week to October 6th. I'll be seeing it on the 5th, which is a Thursday. Dumb Money was actually supposed to come out, I think, around that time. I had it on my calendar, but they decided to go for a limited to wide release starting this month, September. So yeah, the Taylor Swift movie is just moving things around in addition to the strike. That's another thing that I'm probably going to end up talking about next week. So be on the lookout for that episode talking about the writer strike and the Screen Actors Guild. I think I mentioned this when I talked about Dumb Money, but the writer strike is officially over and the writers have gone back to work. Stranger Things fans, your writers are back to work. Some of your primetime late night television shows going back to work. Um, I know, I think Euphoria, the writers for that are already working on season three. Those are the ones that I know about. For the most part, though, the writers are back to work. We're just waiting on the actors. The actors have a meeting with the AMPTP on Monday the 2nd. I imagine that that's going to be the meeting to fix things. Um, considering what they, the writers guild was able to get out of the AMPTP for their contract, I imagine good things are going to happen for the actors. I have a more favorable opinion of the WGA than the SAG after union. That's just maybe because I enjoy writing and I just, it's, I'm a bit biased. Um, and probably because I haven't been affected by the writers guild strike. Unlike what I've 
the way I've been affected by the Screen Actors Guild. So yeah, there's definite bias there. But I'm, I'm hoping for the best, crossing my fingers that everything can be resolved next week and we can go on with normal movie life and content creators can get back to work. Those are my peers. So, I mean, I don't know any actors. I don't know anyone who's part of this. Actually, no, that's not true. I know two people who are SAG actors. Oddly enough, I do youth ministry for my, cho- for my church. And I know two um, of the kids there are SAG members. They're actors. So, yeah. So there is a bit of a connection there for me as well. So I, I just want everyone to be able to move forward and get back to work. However this thing affects you, it's affected a lot of people more than you would think. And I just want everyone to be able to move forward, get back to work and get what they need. That's all I'm asking. So yeah, be on the lookout for The Blind, the full review Monday to uh, Tuesday. Exorcist review will be next Friday. And then I have no idea what's happening the week after because of the Taylor Swift movie. I might be seeing Hunger Games, uh, which is re-released into theaters, I believe, that weekend. And I I might do that because I see a movie every week, but I have no idea what I'm going to see that week. I haven't figured it out. It's all a little frustrating, but it's all good. It's all good. I'm happy for the Swifty fans, especially the ones who didn't get to go to the heiress tour. This is a way for them to be able to do that without spending thousands of dollars. So happy for them in that respect. And then right after that, the Killers of the Flower Moon. Y'all, I got my ticket. I already got my ticket. I didn't even have any room left in my reservations for AMC A-List. I just bought the dang ticket. Like, I don't even care. I am so excited. I'm actually going to see it IMAX. I didn't want to see it IMAX. I wanted to see it in Prime. But those theaters were sold out. I don't know how. Because I I literally, literally um, bought tickets right when it was time to buy them. Which was like midnight Eastern time on Monday. So for me, that's 11 p.m. Central. So I bought tickets right away. And it said two theaters were sold out. I'm like, for what? For who? I'm upset. I wanted Prime. But here we are. It's okay. I got my tickets and I'm so excited. Can you hear my voice? I'm smiling. I'm cheesing. I'm grinning. I'm excited. I can't wait to talk about it. But until then, I love y'all. Y'all are amazing. Let me know if you see the creator, what you thought. And I will see you guys next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.